0: Today in our Gospel reading, we are given three very distinct yet different images. Salt, light, and a city on a hill or a mountain in some translations. But when we look at all three of them, there's there's no connection or seem just like three random analogies Jesus gives us. So let us look very carefully on each Of those three images that are given to find for us what the purpose of each of them are. Because there's a very subtle thread that connects all three of those things together, but give us an image, an explanation, and why he's using that those three images to teach his disciples. Because within a broader context, we hear today the continuation of the Sermon on, on the Mount we heard last week. So this is a continuation of the Beatitudes. So let us look and see what connects them together and what's the purpose of all of it. The first image we're given is salt. Salt is used as preservative back then because they didn't have refrigerators like you and I have today. So the only way to keep meat for a long period of time is to cure it with salt. Salt was also a, a commodity in exchange. It could be seen even as a currency. So the more salts you had, the richer you are seen. The other thing about salt, is salt can be used as a destruction. Because when a, when a country comes in to conquer an area, a land, they would take and kill all the animals, rip up all the land, and salt the earth. Because in doing so, nothing is then able to grow, nothing is able then to flourish. So everything is now destroyed for that reason. Finally, the city on a hill, or the city on a mountain, built on a mountain. This image of the city on a mountain is used as a focal point for navigation. You and I get the luxury of reading maps and GPS and it's all on our phones, so we really don't have to worry about our, where we're going and how we're going to get there. But back then, there was no GPS, there was no maps. So everything was given in directions via a very central and significant point within the city. And most of the time, that was a tall building or something high on the mountain. So the city on the mountain was the navigation point, the central point where everything else would be given from, and it became the reference point to all of that. So for example, if I was in downtown Fort Worth, and someone asked me, where's Keller? The best way to explain it to someone is from downtown Fort Worth, Keller is northeast of downtown. So that gives someone a very ref- a reference point to where Keller is. So now with this explanation and understanding what the purpose of each one of these things, these images are, we have to ask ourselves, what's the purpose of that? We hear in our gospel reading very clearly that if salt loses its taste, it should just be thrown out and trampled on. So why would salt lose its purpose? If we taste salt, we know that it's bitter, but if you put salt in a jar and bury it, what does it do? Salt in itself does absolutely nothing. But the purpose of salt is for something other. It goes beyond itself. Salt is used to preserve meat. When you're baking, salt allows you to enhance the sweetness of a chocolate chip cookie. It doesn't exist for itself. It exists for a greater purpose, and it points to a greater purpose in life. Light. Can we capture light in a jar and hold it and see it? We really can't capture light. But what is the purpose of light? Light illuminates and shows us and allows us to see the true, the good, the beautiful of a thing. We can see this very simply with the stained glass windows around us. If the sun is bright and radiating through the windows you can see the beautiful colors, the intricacies of the stained glass window. But one of my favorite things to do is actually to come into the church when it's pitch black. Because you see these beautiful windows, but when there's no sunlight or there's no light at all, those windows look like a big black window. There's nothing that's able to be seen from it. Even if you walk up close to it, it's hard to make out the pieces of the stained glass window. So, the purpose of light is to help illuminate and see, to see the good, the true, the beautiful of something. But it's also, on the other hand, if you walk into a room that is dirty, light will help enhance the dirtiness and bother you. If your room is filled with cockroaches, you turn on the light, and the first thing you will see is all the cockroaches scatter. But if you live in the darkness, you wouldn't know that there's, there's cobwebs in the corner. There's some dust bunnies rolling around under your bed. You wouldn't see the cockroaches, it wouldn't matter. But light illuminates, allows us to see the good, the true, the beautiful. The city on a hill, the city on a mountain. It becomes a focal point and a drawing point of community to gather together. But without that focal point, without that reference point, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to navigate. The ability to give people directions is meaningless because there's no reference point that everyone agrees on. So how does this apply to all of us and our our life as disciples? The simple question that we have to begin to ask ourselves today is what is the purpose of our life as disciples? What is the purpose of our life as Catholics? So many of us, our life as disciples and as Catholics is just for the pure fact that I'm here to appease God. I'm here to make God happy so that he can leave me alone. I'm here because my parents are forcing me to be here. I'm here because I don't want to be punished by God and therefore I'm here at Mass. There's so many other reasons you can give for why you are here at Mass. Why you are here as a Catholic. Why does life as a disciple even matter for us? Because our preoccupation is that the things of the world. Preoccupied with the money, the wealth that we can gain. We're preoccupied with the pleasure the world teaches us that will make us happy. We're preoccupied with the prestige, the recognition by everyone around us, the authority we can gain from all of that. But truly, that is not what we're called to be. That is not the purpose of our lives. And just like the salt of the earth, if we're not living up to our purpose, if we're not living up to our mission, our life is just pointless and meaningless and there's nothing else to life. Some of you are sitting here just like the city on a hill, not knowing where you're going, what you're doing, just aimlessly roaming around this earth, roaming around doing whatever I want to do with no sense of direction, with no sense of purpose, with no sense of mission. So then let me ask you this, my dear brothers and sisters, The very simple question from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Why did God create us? Because in that answer defines and shows us very simply what our purpose and our mission is. And it's very simple, my dear brothers and sisters. God created us to know, to love, and to serve him in this life and in the life to come. Our life as disciples is to know, to love, and to serve God in this life and in the life to come. But that's not it, my dear brothers and sisters. That's not it, that's not all of it. In doing all of that, there's a greater mission and purpose that comes about. If you are happy, do you not want your family to be happy? If you have a prized gem, do you not want to share that with your brothers and sisters to show them what this gem is? if you carry a, a, a secret within yourself, don't you want inside to share that with others? If there's something so special that you hold on to, don't you want to give that to everyone? Because our purpose is to know, to love, to serve God in this life and in the life to come. But that mission is calling each and every one of us to share that more intimately with our brothers and sisters. It's not good for me to just be happy. It's the mission of my life as a disciple. It's the mission and purpose of my life as a follower of Jesus Christ, to share that with others. And that's where Jesus is getting at today. Our goal is to share the happiness we learned last week from the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Happy are those who are poor in spirit, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Blessed are those who mourn. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are those who are meek. Because that is what's going to allow us to live our life as a disciple. Because it empties us from ourself. It empties us from our ego. It empties us from our eye-centeredness of who we are. And allows us to be filled with the Spirit, allows us to be filled with God's love, but most importantly, allows us to see Christ in Christ in and through those around us. Because it's easy when you're happy, but it's more difficult when husband and wife are arguing, when as mother and son are in in a in a debate, when son's not listening to mom. When daughters not listening to dad. How do you find God? How are you happy? We're happy only when we let the salt penetrate our lives. When that faith is preserved and enhanced every day and every moment of our life. Through scriptures, through studies, through classes. The more that we get to know God, the more rich that salt becomes. And the strong our faith is preserved and enhanced and grows. How can we illuminate and show the world the joy, the happiness of being a disciple of Christ? Is when we ourselves allow the light to penetrate through our lives. Just look at the stained glass windows. They themselves don't produce light. The sunlight is required to penetrate through the windows for us to see its beauty. For us to really illuminate, to be happy, we ourselves have to be that stained glass window to allow Christ to radiate through us. We can only allow Christ to radiate through us is if we allow ourselves to know our weaknesses, the dirtiness of our life, to clean that window from all the contagions and stains of sin. The struggleness of our our self-centeredness that keeps us away from opening ourselves to the world. The struggle of our ego that makes us look better, that covers the whole window and doesn't allow the light to penetrate. That eye-centeredness that doesn't allow for the goodness of God to work through our lives. And the city on the mountain or the city on the hill how can our lives be beacons of hope, beacons of joy, beacons of happiness? Because if I walk around the church pouty, angry, and unhappy, who who, is attracted to that? Think of your own lives, my dear brothers and sisters. Who are some people you look to, look towards, drawn towards? I know for me growing up, John Paul II and St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, are the two people I've always been drawn towards. But if you look at their lives, what makes them different? Mother Teresa of Calcutta works with the poor of the poor of India, never complains, turns to God in every moment, is constantly in prayer, constantly serving the poor. John Paul II, for that matter, a great philosopher, great theologian. His writings are tremendous and so beautiful. He put together World Youth Day for all the young people to gather around together to celebrate their faith and the joy in their faith. But why are so many people drawn to Mother Teresa of Calcutta who are willing to live their, leave their lives here and go to India to work side by side with the Mother Teresa of Calcutta? Why are so many people drawn to the life of John Paul II? It's because they themselves become the city on the hill. They become the city on the mountain because they radiate and are the reference point to the joy, the impact of God in their life and therefore transform those who are looking and wanting to go to them. I can tell you even for me, my life has changed from looking, from studying, from understanding the life of St. John Paul II and Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Every day I hope and I pray that my life can conform and follow the footsteps of John Paul II, to live a life of joy, to serve the people unconditionally with excitement and zeal and fervor. But that's John Paul II. He becomes a reference point that has changed my life. I, haven't, I didn't get to meet the man. He died in 2005 and that was one of my own only dreams and hopes in life was to be able to stand and meet that man face to face and shake his hand but in 2005 the worst year of my life when he passed away but even in his death he still radiates and speaks of the power and love of God and draws people to him so my dear brothers and sisters as disciples Are we willing to live out our purpose, our mission? Because at the end of the day, that purpose and mission is what we're meant to be, what we're meant to do, and is what's gonna bring us true happiness because it allows us to live out those Beatitudes, those blessedness in our lives. The hard part is in choosing to live out that purpose, it's gonna come with difficulties. It's gonna come with challenges. But the idea is it's not just me. Because in all three images, the salt, the light, the city on the hill, it calls us to a community, to challenge each other, to help each other in that journey. We're not all doing this on our own. We all can rely on our brothers and sisters, be challenged by our brothers and sisters to become better to live out that purpose, to live out that mission more fully, to live life to its fullest. So as we approach the Eucharistic Feast, my dear brothers and sisters, let us take inventory of our life and find and ask the Lord for his help, his grace to live out our purpose and our mission. So that when Deacon dismisses us at the end of Mass, Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. We can become the salt of the earth. We can become the light of the world. We can become the city on the hill and become the beacon of joy, of hope, of love in Jesus Christ. Amen.